don't be afraid to research. It's okay to take a second to get started. We live in such a microwave-like society where everything's right now in front of your face. You can do it today. Learn. Make sure that you're just simply doing your research and simply giving yourself enough time. It doesn't have to be fast in order for it to be fruitful. Are you ready to revolutionize your credit repair business? Welcome to Credit Repair Junkies, the ultimate podcast for credit repair entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Bruce Palatano, seven-figure serial entrepreneur and author. Each week, we'll dive deep into battle-tested strategies, uncover the latest industry breakthroughs, and reveal insider tips that will put your business light years ahead of the competition. If you're ready to grow your credit repair business, head to creditrepairjunkies.com forward slash go to watch my free training. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Credit Repair Junkies podcast. Man, today I have one of my best friends in the credit repair space, Terrell Good from Next Step Credit Repair. Joining us, Terrell, thank you for being here, brother. I appreciate you making the time. Hey, Bruce, I appreciate the invite, man. I thank you for uh, bringing me on. So I look forward to this. I'm ready to get into yes, it. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Man, let's, before we jump in, tell us a little bit about what were you doing before credit repair? I was running a home improvement company. I've been working in home improvement sales. So basically door to door and B2B. So business to business, door to door is what I was doing before that. I was the marketing manager and then I became the operations manager. And then I became the president of the company as long as well as the president of sales. So that's what I was doing, you know, before that. It was a good segue because I could take all that experience that I had, you know, in that industry and kind of bring it over here. Yeah, I mean, completely unrelated though, right? Like yeah, home improvement and, and credit yeah. repair. In a way, it's not, right? Let me say this, because we deal in financing, right? In home improvements, you know, most people don't have money to finance a home improvement project. So that was one of my thought processes was to work with my boss, who I absolutely loved and adored, you know, to bring him more business. That was one of the reasons, but not the whole thing. What changed? Like what 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 happened in in your mind or in your life that made you decide to, you know what, I, I need to I want to get into the credit repair space. Like I moved down here and well back down here again for the second time to Virginia. And I was trying to get like an apartment. You know, my now wife was pregnant and they was like, you know, that I didn't have like enough credit. And I'm, you know, of course me, I'm you know, young, blonde eyed, bushy tail, I don't know what they're talking about. And they're like, you know, it's, you know, those three digit numbers that tell you whether somebody can borrow money or whether they can pay back money. I'm like, I got money right here. What do you mean? <laughs> like, I have enough money. Like, can you see I have enough money? And she's like, no, you know, even with, you know, cash that doesn't tell us whether you can actually pay the rent or not. And, you know, ultimately I end up getting approved, but that was my first experience with credit. But what kind of segued me into the credit repair space is that I wanted to buy a house for my kids. By the time I had my daughter, it was like, all right, it's time to, you know, make a change, buckle down. I was kind of tired of written. And, you know, I paid a couple different companies to fix my credit. The one that kind of pushed me over the edge was the final straw was a local person who, you know, came highly recommended. And I thought, you know, that, you know, she was going to do a good job. And she just did it. The customer service was trash. You know what I mean? The money I paid was a waste. Never spoke to her one time. Like, and so it just really, at that point, it was just really just anger and disappointment kind of taking over that made me kind of jump into, hey, I can just do this myself. 
So you're like, I don't need, you know, I've tried to like paying people to do it. It's just disappointment after disappointment. Let me figure this out on my own. Absolutely. So how did you learn? I just searched credit repair on Facebook and it was like a group. It was like credit repair for beginners. And I just started reading like all the material that they had. And then coincidentally, the girl who I paid to fix my credit was selling like a DIY book or whatever. So I bought the book to see, okay, is this the same materials that was from in the group? Turns out it's the exact same materials that was in that group that I was in, right? And I just read and, and then somebody had posted a, a different group. And then next thing you know, I was in that group and they was like, if you, if you really want to fix your credit right, you should read the FCRA. So I'm like, well, what's that? You know, of course. <laughs> so I, I download the link. I start reading that. And then before I know it, I somebody had posted the credit repair cloud group, right, on, on Facebook. And then I was in there. <laughs> and then I was on Amazon and I bought a, a, a credit repair cloud book that came to my house. And then I was reading that. And, you know, I took that to my boss and I said, hey, you know, there's there's these people, man, these like millionaire people who do like this thing called credit repair. And he's like, oh, Terrell, that's a scam. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. There's a guy. He lives here. His name's Dominique. And he has a million dollar credit repair company. And he's like, Terrell, it's a scam. Okay. He said, matter of fact, just give me the book. Give me the paperwork. I'll research it for you. Because I he's a business. He's been in business for 20 something years. So of course I'm looking to him for, hey, is this something that, you know, I should do or not? He did. He gives everything back to me maybe like two weeks later. He's like, oh, all those people are fake. It's made up. Um, they're just doing that for marketing. So, you know, I'm like, okay, no problem. I work on my own credit for about, you know, almost like two years. And it just kept like popping up and, and coming back to me and popping up and coming back to me. And by 2019, I was hooked completely. I had researched and read so much that I was hooked. You know, once I fixed the wife's credit and my brother and my sister and, you know, my grandmother and, you know, just people, I was like, man, this could actually be something, you know? So how long has it been since you decided to start a actual business? Like, okay, I, I'm done fixing just my family's credit. Like, I want to make a business out of this. When did you decide to do that? So that was in January 2020. The, the end of January, we had just had our best year at the home improvement company. And uh, I was having a conversation with my wife and she was like, you know, you ever thought about being a business owner? I'm like, hell no. The problems that come with that. Mm-mm. And she's like, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a get you some business ideas. And I was like, nah, I think I just want to do it for people for free. And she was like, oh, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, you know, she was like. She wrote down, she had like this yellow pad that she would always write down like business ideas. She's an ideas person. She will come up with slogans, names, SOPs, like everything. And she wrote everything out and I was reading it. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Because she wrote out something for a cleaning business that was pretty good too a couple years before that. And, you know, I was like, oh man, this is pretty good. And she came up with the name, you know, paid for the logo to get done and you know, so she kind of just, just forced you into it, right? Yeah, 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 almost. Yeah, just she could, like, like, I know your story a little bit. Like, you were making bank at the home improvement company. Like, you were making six figures, six figures, and you had no need whatsoever to want to, you know what, abandon the six-figure job 
to start a company, which I don't want to do because I don't want to be a business owner because of all the headaches. But then here's your wife. Hey, have you thought about being a business owner? So what was that dynamic like? Like you fought the force as long as you could, but at some point you had to give in, right? I did at, you know, I think it was at, after my first client was Ebony, who's now my life insurance agent, you know, coincidentally. After I finished up her file, it only took me like three and a half months um, to get like almost really, really done, like really, really clean. And she had got approved for like a BMW or whatever. And I was like, what? That's what like was like, all right, you can do this. You know what I mean? Type of ordeal. And, you know, from there, it was just all hands on deck, taking everything that I learned, you know, in, in sales and in marketing and in, in customer service and, and taking from the experiences that I had with the other companies and really not getting what I was looking for. And I wanted, you know, I wanted my wife to put that into everything that we did. So how did you, you know, I understand like you got into credit repair because you kind of just got fascinated by the idea of credit repair. You saw that it worked because you did it for yourself. You did it for your family, you know, a few friends here and there. And at some point you decide, okay, now, you know, I'm going to go all in into this. Talk about the early stages of your business. How did you learn to start the actual business? Like everything that it entails. So what was that process like? And what were the early days like? Early days, it was more reading than anything else. I was just researching and I was in, you know, and again, I, I can't say enough about the, the the credit repair cloud group in those early days. Maybe it's not the same group as it was, but when I was in it, you know, early 2020, it was like one of those groups that, you know, hey, they had a lot of good info, a lot of good lives from a lot of good people. And, you know, really, I was really just taking a lot of notes, you know what I mean? Just kind of putting it together. So those early days were really just about learning, researching, studying, right? Coming up with scripts of what I wanted to say on the phone, writing those out. I still have notes on my phone, man. I got like 750 notes from from February of 2020 where I just wrote out, you know, everything that I wanted to say while I was on the phone and, you know, how a consultation was supposed to look or go based off of, you know, my past experience with doing, you know, consultations over the phone for home improvement, you know what I mean? But listening to, you know, other people like a, like a Andre Coakley, who I, who I talked to early on, who gave me like a, it was like a free one-on-one -on -one 15 minute discovery call. And, you know, I spoke with L Williams who gave me a free 15 minute like discovery call. And that was in March. And so those early days, I didn't take a whole lot of clients, but, you know, I really just studied a lot and just tried to learn as much as I could to, to not give somebody else the same experience that I had. You know what I mean? I, I didn't want them to have that. So I really wanted to just focus on getting the systems in place where, you know, it didn't have to be a struggle, right? Where if somebody reached out to me, you know, it was easy for me to respond. Working on my schedule, like how am I going to work this nine to five and do this at the same time? Like what times can I actually take appointments, making a calendar, that, you know, somebody can book an appointment with, even though the website wasn't, you know, the best, it was from spoton.com. It was $5, you know what I mean? But it was, it got the job done. It had a calendar on it, you know what I mean? And some pricing. And so, you know, those were a lot of the early days is just kind of putting stuff together and then, you know, just learning overall and watching other people from a distance, 
do their work. And even, uh, I forget the guy's name, who used to work with CRC, Corey, asking him a ton of questions. He used to always kill me. I asked him a thousand questions in the group on, on his post. Anytime he make a post, I ask a thousand questions. Like, Terrell, man, you got to stop asking all these questions. Like, I missed what happened yesterday. I was at work. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I think early on, just, you know, trying to learn. And that, that was a lot of my business was just trying to figure out. And then also, you know, trying to figure out how do I actually run a business? I, I've never done that before. You know what I mean? So this was brand new territory. It was scary territory for me. Nobody in my family, I, I don't know anybody who owns a business. So, you know, there was nobody who I could lean on either besides, you know, my boss who didn't want me to own a business because he didn't want me to leave. Right. And so he wasn't helping me or trying to guide me through being a business owner. Right. And so, you know, those early stages were, I'm not going to say difficult, but they were really time consuming, right? Where I spent a lot of my time up all night, up all day, any chance I got in the work van on lunch breaks, just studying. That's the thing, right? Like people, you know, at some point, and we'll, we'll get, I'll ask you this, uh, what that transition was like from deciding to go full-time in your business. But majority of people who start a credit repair company, they're still working a nine to five. They still got a J-O-B, right? And, you know, you work 40 hours at your job, you got to give another 40 hours to your business. You know, they want to launch this huge successful business, but they only want to work 10 hours a week on their business. Like you're never going to get anywhere. Like you're not doing enough to launch a business. Like a business is like a child. It requires nurturing. It requires care. It requires attention. It requires money, right? Milk ain't cheap. You just had a baby a couple of weeks ago. Like this stuff ain't cheap. Running a business, I don't care what kind of business it is, you got to be able to invest what you have. And when you're first getting started, the one thing that you got to have is not money. It's time. It's time because the business is going to require time out of you more than anything else. You can start a credit repair business for less than 500 bucks. Can you not? You but you cannot can. successfully launch a credit repair business on 10 hours a week worth of work. It's going to take you three years to launch a business in 10 hours a week with work, right? If you want to launch a credit repair business, you got to give it time. Time is the one fuel that it needs to take off the ground. Once your business takes off the ground, that's where money comes in and you, you got to keep feeding it to keep going. But money isn't what's going to get it off the ground. It's your time. It's what you learn. It's your expertise. It's your research. It's you, it's you apply everything that you're learning. And you did that between, like you said, work van, right? From one appointment to another. And at nighttime, I'm sure that you didn't go to sleep till two o'clock in no, the morning. I'm sure I a did lot appointments of nights, right? at two o'clock in the morning. My wife was pissed. She's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, oh no, yeah. just this Babe, girl. They're in California. It's only, yeah. 11, it's only 11 o'clock over there. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, there's this girl. She's in Japan. She heard about me from Ebony and you know, it's eight o'clock in the morning there. So I'm just, you know, I'm trying to knock out this appointment or, you know, people, you know, in different states or whatever until I could really, you know, I was just referrals, right? Like that's how I was getting a lot of my business until, you know, a lot of my business started to come from the state that I was in. You know what I mean? So I would just work whatever time they could, you know, whatever time they could do it so long as it wasn't during, you know, my work schedule because I worked from 12 o'clock in the afternoon to eight o'clock at night. 
So I drop off the kids at school at, you know, 8.05, right? And I take my first appointment at 8.30. I take another appointment at 9.30. I take another appointment at 10.30. I take an 11.30 in the car. Like I would do everything before I got in the car. Then I would take the appointment in the car while I'm driving into the office, right? And doing it from my phone. And then I take another appointment at 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30 and 10 at night. So I could at least take eight appointments a day, right? And that's how I was doing it. And then I was getting up at three, doing my studying, my continued education, my learning before the kids got up. So I would spend three or four hours in the middle of the night, you know what I mean? Just trying to learn and study before they got up. What you just said just proves a point that I made. Like everything that you just talked about, you didn't mention a penny, you mentioned time. Yeah. And really that's the secret sauce to get your business off the ground, Time is all it needs. Now, tell me, you decided to go full-time when? Like, when did you say, now is the right time? And why was that the right time? And what was that experience like? I'm sure it wasn't the easiest decision you've ever made in your life. I talked with my boss in like April and I, you know, we're just having, you know, regular conversation. You know, he, he basically treated me like a son, you know what I'm saying? And I'm forever grateful to him for, you know, the opportunities that he gave me while I was there for those 12 years, you know what I mean? And I was talking to him and he was like, you know, how's that, how's that, how's that little business that you started or whatever? You know, anytime somebody mentioned little, it's weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm busy. like, I'm like, uh, you know, it's doing all right. He's like, you know, let me ask you something like, how much is it doing, you know, every month? I'm like, oh, it's doing like 7,000. So he's like, 7,000? You know, he yeah. was like, <laughs> complete. He's like, how are you running that and getting, you know, 13, 14 sales a month here? I'm like, well, you know, I, I have a, a little staff. You know what I mean? I have two people, you know, that work for me or whatever. This is, you know, this is well after a couple months, you know, after. And uh, he was like, let me see, because I don't believe you. So, you know, of course, I pull up the little charge B account and I show him. And he's like, do really make you say, he's like, listen, I want to invest $10,000 into it, right? We going to blow this mother up. I was like, no, nah. you know what I mean? It's, no you know. It's a scam, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a little scam. No I thanks. said, well, you know, no thanks, you know, but I appreciate, you know, the offer or whatever the case may be. And uh, I'm going to just keep rocking and rolling this thing. You know, I'm going to stick with you as long as I can. And, you know, we were going through some turmoil there towards the end of 2021 where, you know, he just wasn't happy with the the production that we were getting and we were losing a lot of our, you know, our door-to-door people, our marketers and our salespeople. And, you know, the blame was kind of falling on my shoulders, although I didn't feel like I was personally, you know, responsible for the blame that I was taking, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't the person in control of the money. They were just leaving for better opportunities, better jobs and better hourly wages, right? And I couldn't make them stay because of the way that, you know, you know, sometimes he was having me treat them. Um, and, you know, he's like, you need to go in there, you need to deal with them. You know, you need to go in there and raise your voice. You need to go in there. And I'm like, that's not even how I do people, you know what I mean? So. We were having a lot of turmoil within the way he wanted me to manage and the way that I manage normally. You know what I mean? And all yeah. of those people who I let go fired or, you know, didn't have a great relationship with, I have a great relationship with all of them now. Right. And they knew who it was That's coming good. from and who it wasn't coming from. You know what I mean? Is it? And so 
you know, me and him had another conversation towards the end of 2021. And he was like, uh, you know, he's going to take away, you know, the hourly altogether and put everybody on commission only. And I'm like, man, these, these people have families. They're walking out in the heat, the cold, the rain, you know, sweat, blood, tear. Like they're giving you everything they have and you're going to take away the one safety net that they have if the salespeople don't sell, you know, what they put them in a position to sell, which didn't, you know, it didn't feel right to me. And, you know, I tried the commission only thing with a friend of mine for like one day at the end of December. And um, I gave the key to him. I just told him, hey, look, this isn't going to work. I'm going to go, you know, full time with the credit repair business. Scared the crap out of my wife. Uh, <laughs> she's like, we don't make enough money. <laughs> you know what I mean? How many clients did you have at that point when you decided to go full yeah, I only had like 90 something. So I was making right under like $8,000 a month. So not a whole lot, right? Because I was making about 12 and some change from my job every month. So it was, you know, taking a pay cut, number one, and then, you know, not really getting an opportunity to save because I was dumping, you know, money at that point into the business, trying to get like Facebook ads off, learn that. So, you know, you waste a lot of money in that stuff. I was paying Yelp money for ads and thinking that was a, another way to get my I remember business. All that. Yeah, right. I, I was paying Google ads. I was paying this other, I forget the name of the company, but I was paying this other company for marketing and to do like voice drops and, you know, yeah. Yeah. I was paying the, the fame. This is before the famous group. There's a couple months before them, but, you know, I ended up getting them too. So I had like six, seven, eight sources of marketing that I was doing and I wasn't tracking whether they were making me any money or not. I was just paying out the money. You know what I mean? And so I hadn't discovered tracking until you, right? Until you you came along with that Excel sheet. Obviously I've taken it to like four or five grander scales now, but I still have that Excel sheet that you gave me, you know, back in, uh, what was that? March of 2021. So you know, I, that was a, a long time ago, but, you know, I decided to just quit December 31st. And I said, listen, I'm just going to give this thing my all. I'm giving it, you know, 40 hours a week and I'm making eight grand a month. If I give it 80 hours a week, I could probably make 16 or 20. Right. And then, you know, that'll be more than, you know, what I was explaining to my wife was that'll be more than what I was making at the home improvement company, period. And I did that. And, you know, 2021, we had our you know, we had a fantastic year versus the first year. Uh, we did 109,000 the first year. We did 257 in 2021 when I was giving it 80 hours, you know, a week, maybe 80 hours plus, you know, we just kind of. That's the one thing that, that I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say I envy, but I admire in you, brother, your work ethic is unparalleled. Like I have never met anyone with your work ethic, like as a business owner. And that's where you and I kind of disagree sometimes yeah. where you are all in on your business. So much so that it blows my mind how how fast you're able to see. Like you still take all of your sales calls, do you not? All of them, every single last one of them. You don't trust, you said, you said you're Michael nobody. Jordan, right? Like, yeah. give me the ball. I don't need the other four guys, it's me. <laughs> so my boss taught me one thing and I'll give him this, right? You don't take Michael Jordan off the team, right? Because when you do, you end up with Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, B.J. Armstrong. That's who you end up with. And you end up in an Eastern Conference final, right? Where you could maybe win or maybe 
lose the championship. But if you keep Michael Jordan, you'll always be winning championships. And he told me, Terrell, never, ever, ever leave your business. But he was talking about his at the time. And he was like, never, ever leave your business. Because he used to refer to his business as mine as well, because I had been there so long and I'd worked my way up past every other manager that was there and just kind of became the head of everything. And he was like, you never leave you know, your business. You never stop selling. That's why I stayed out in the field. I could have been in the office, right? But he's like, your team needs you to sell so that they sell, right? And if you're not selling, guess what? They're not going to be selling. And that's what happened. I came out of the field one month. I think we did 50 deals the month before I came out of the field. The next month we did 17. The next month we did 11. The next month we did nine. I came back out in the field. We did 78, right? Because it's me pushing them. You know, hey, you walking with me today. You had no sales yesterday. You walking with me today, right? You're going to hit this house, this house, this house, this house. I'm going to hit this house, this house, this house. You know what I mean? So for me with sales, it's, you know, with my own business, I know that, you know, I got to stay in it because I've tried not being in the sales department with Next Step Credit Repair. And we went from 61 sales on average every month to 14, right? With, you know, one of my employees, it dang near crippled me, right? Because I did it at a time where I wasn't aware that there were down points in business, right? I didn't know about the October, November, December. You, type, didn't know about you know what I mean? Yeah, I had no idea that. It's a scary you know, place. You floor and credit repair is a scary place, brother. Like, there's no lights. It's dark. But I had no idea about that place in business where, you know, because I had never dealt in none of his money, right? I just made it, right? I could see, all right, we made $15 million this year or whatever. My team did good, right? But I didn't know where all the money went, you know, as far as how that goes. When you're in, when you're running it, you know, you see where your money is going. So I just stayed, you know, I wanted to come back to doing sales in my own business. And I just never let anybody else do it again, right? And I think it was the best decision that I ever made. Right? And you but love I, it. Yeah, I and love like it too. So that's want. the other thing. Like, I love talking to my clients every day. It gives them a sense of, safeness, right? A sense of, you know, trust that they're talking to the person who's also participating in the work, right? A lot of people don't know this, but I do all my clients' first rounds too. So I set up the plan for my team to follow, right? A lot of people just pass it off to somebody else, but I set it up. I write all the notes out for every month what I want done, right? So again, that gives them a sense of trust that, hey, this is being done the right way. And it's not too many times you can go to a company and talk to the owner as well. So that also helps me. And like I'll say, though, like I, I, I really admire your work ethic because you you go hard for your business, man. Like this is like, you really, you could very easily let off the gas if you wanted to, but you refuse to. Like you just keep going and you don't get comfortable. And that's hard. Like once your business starts succeeding, complacency, kicks in and it's so easy to fall into the trap or just becoming comfortable with where you're at. And the moment you become comfortable, that's where business maybe starts to decline. There was a lady that, um, Charlotte Gamble, she, she preached at, at our church a couple of years ago and she was talking about the, the, the principle of drifting. Like think you're, you're inside an ocean. Um, in order for you to drift, all you have to do is nothing. If you stand still in an ocean and you do nothing, you're going to drift. If you don't want to drift, you have to work. You have to kick your feet and, and, and swing your arms and, so that you can stay in place and not drift. 
So that principle applies to business as well. If you become complacent and you're like, oh, this is a good spot. I'm good here. Man, that's dangerous. That's dangerous because the moment you become complacent, you start drifting and, and, and business just starts like imploding and crumbling. You have to work to stay where you're at and you have to work even harder to scale beyond where you're at. So when I talk about your work ethic, it's that like I have never seen you become complacent. I have never seen you drift. All I've seen in Terrell and Next Step Credit Repair is growth and it's consistent. Even at the dark times of Q4, like you don't fall back and then come January and catch up. No, you you kick and you kick and you kick and you stay at least where you're at and then you continue growing after that. So talk about that. Like where where does that come from? Where does the motivation of, of just saying complacency, get away from me, you're not for me, I'm going to keep doing this thing. Where does that come from? I watched um, a lot of people in my life become complacent, right? As I was, you know, growing up and I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, most people know that, but, you know, I grew up super poor. Like when you look at it, you know, I know my grandmother would like to think otherwise, you know what I mean? But the reality is, yeah, like she says, you know, you had a roof over your head in it, but there were things that I wanted and things that, you know, I could see in my dreams that I was never, ever, ever going to achieve with them at the helm, right? And, you know, I watched, you know, uncles and aunts, you know, become complacent and comfortable. You know what I mean? No slight to my grandmother. I love her to death, but she's been living in the same place for 57 years, right? That's complacency, right? Like no growth whatsoever. And I love her. I would do anything for her. You know, she took us in at a time. My father got killed. My mother walked out on us. She never came back. I haven't seen the woman in 32 years. Seeing them all become complacent, I was like, you know, I think I was like seven when I said this. Like, I never want to live like this, right? Like, I never want my life to be at a standstill, right? So I always need to be pushing forward, pushing the envelope. Growth has always been, you know, important to me. Right. Even if you like take my little sneaker journey. Right. I always use that. I love I love shoes. Right. How many shoes? How many pairs of shoes? Pause. How many pairs of shoes do you have? Couple hundred. Maybe, you know, working into the thousands. Of them Jordans, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of Nikes, too, though. So you got any my, new balances yet? You know, the the 850 credit score. Nah, 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 no, no new balances. And just really Jordans, <laughs> Nikes, Pradas, you know, like that. I got some nice Steve Madden. So I'm trying to step my game up. All right. <laughs> so not all Jordans all the time, but. You know, I even take, you know, my my shoe stuff like, you know, growing one pair into two, growing two pairs into five, growing five pairs into 10, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I think seeing so much complacency growing up, you know what I mean? I didn't want that to be my thing, right? I didn't want that to be, you know, my family's thing. I didn't want that for my kids for when I had them, you know, just being in a stuck spot. So I think that is what pushes me in the fact that, you know, when you grow up a certain way or you grow up without so much, you don't ever want to experience that ever again. It's it's almost like a resentment that you feel to the people around you. You know what I mean? That you're like, you couldn't get one job? <laughs> like, you, you didn't want to work hard one time? Yeah. Do you feel guilty at all for being successful? <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. In my family, sometimes because people look at you like a snob. That's what I was going to say. Like, let me... Let me let me let me kind of frame this right where this question is coming from because I I sometimes if I'm being honest I battle with this as well right we work hard to be where we're at right and I think that 
being feeling guilty for being financially well, that's all that almost comes from a poor mindset, I would think. Like, I, you know, I travel with my family. I have two little kids, they're three and two, and the four of us are in first class, you know, on airplanes. And, you know, you see these little babies in a first class seat and we we see the dirty looks that we get. You know, like, man, like what did like that snob that you're talking about, right? Like you go out and you see the, the cars that we drive or, you know, the shoes on our feet, the purse that my wife has. And this stuff is like, we're not materialistic people at all, but we enjoy the finer things of life. Why not? Right? And I I battle with this guilt of, man, it, do, it doesn't come from a bad place. Like, I'm not a show. I'm not trying to show off all the materialistic things that I have. Yeah. But why am I going to have the opportunity to have the finer things in life but say, no, thank you. Let me actually just go back and, and live a different way. It almost, it's like a slap in the face to your success is how I see it. Right. And do you, do you battle with that? Like, do you feel any guilt on for being successful? Because you, you come from poor, you come from nothing. Like I come from that too. But as sometimes like you get that, that inner guilt it's like, man, or like maybe like imposter syndrome sometimes. Right. Like do you battle with that at all? Yeah. I battle with it every day. You know what I mean? And funny thing, I was just having a conversation with my aunt uh, yesterday because, you know, somebody asked me for money and, you know, I don't want to give it to them. And, you know, it was, even though I, I have it to give and I can, you know, probably give it without any, you know, those people, they don't check on me. You know, they don't check on my kids. I don't talk to them. You know what I mean? They may be immediate family, but I don't, we don't, we don't talk like that. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's one of those things where I struggle with it because they look at me and that's every time I talk to them is, hey, you know, I got this business. Can I borrow? Can I get, you know what I mean? So I struggle with, you know, just even letting anybody know my success. You know, when I bought my car, I bought my wife's new car or whatever. And I was like, you know, don't don't post the car because I don't, you know what I mean? I don't even want to deal with that. Right. The success of it. Right is a battle because you know they why did you need to spend that right it's because i work 109 hours a week right and you don't right you're asking me to borrow money but you slept eight hours yesterday and i didn't <laughs> right i worked all day it's definitely sometimes it feels like an imposter syndrome when i'm sitting in my office and i'm like why me right <laughs> like of all folks like why is it me that has to be the successful one of the bunch or of us it all. It comes with a greater purpose, right, Terrell? Like, it comes with a greater purpose. Like, you had to break like this generational curse of complacency that you grew up with in your family. Like, your kids will never know complacency because you don't model complacency for them. They may know struggle because we all go through struggles in life, but your kids will know how to be fighters because they see their dad be a fighter. They see their mom and their dad working together on this business and they see that. So that imposter syndrome is like, it gets broken away because it's not for you. It's for them, right? For me, it's the same thing. Whatever that, that little thoughts creep into my mind, it's like, no, there's a greater purpose as to why God has allowed me to be in a position that I'm in today, right? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I live that out every single day, right? Like the more that I bless others, the more God blesses my business. And man, it's so good to be on, on the receiving end of that but it's even better to be on the end of giving. Like what we're able to do for the community and for people who are in need and even family members that we, for me, like I have family members that, that I used to be really close with that I'm not close with anymore. 
And if they're in a time of need, man, if I'm helping strangers, I'm going to help my family too, regardless of what it comes down to. Because in my heart, I have that I'm a giver, like I'm naturally a giver. And I realize that this is above me. Like this is, this is not just for my family. And that helps me creep out that, that imposter syndrome, where it's like, there's a greater purpose as to why God has allowed me and my family to be in the position that we're in today. And it ain't just for us. Now, I have a question for you. I know you're the interviewer, and I'm the <laughs> I'm getting no, interviewed. this is a conversation, right. brother. Like, I'm not interviewing you. We're talking. Do you ever feel like that you got to turn that faucet of helping off? The moment where, because people start taking advantage. It's what you said, right? I didn't sleep eight hours last night. Like, you're not doing anything to help yourself, right? So for me, at least when it comes to my family, like, I know my family. I don't know the strangers. If God says, hey, go out and pay that person's mortgage for the next three months, I'm going to go out and do it. And I'm not going to ask any questions because God's telling me to do that, right? Now, if my family members come to me and say, hey, can you can you lend me, you know, 500 bucks? It's like, I know what you're doing, right? And, and if you're just trying to take advantage because you know that I'm well off and you're not as well off as you'd like to be, then the answer is no. But when I know the struggle, like I'm not going to mention who it was, but a close family member of mine, they had a death in their family um, and they had a go to Brazil. Like they're live, they actually live in, uh, in Virginia. They had to go to Brazil and they needed help. Like they, they, they had just moved out of Florida to Virginia, like going through this whole thing and out of nowhere, family member is really sick. They need help. Right. I have the ability to help. Why not? Like you don't even have, you don't even have to ask. Like, I know what you're going through here. Don't even worry about paying it back. Is this what you need? Here's a little bit more so that you don't have to, to struggle with anything. But yes, you do have to turn the faucet off because you do get those people that are like, Every other month, can I borrow five hundred bucks? Hey, can you, you know, I, you know, can you feed my? I need to get groceries and like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you have a car, right? Can you drive Uber for four hours every day so you can buy your groceries? Like, you got to help yourself at some point in time. I'm not going to be anybody's crutch. I'll push the wheelchair, but I ain't going to be your crutch. Absolutely. So you know, for me, it's like, but that's I got fifteen, sixteen people at me in that way daily, right? So it's like, you know, and then you know. You got your wife's family too. You know, I got my wife's family too who's looking at her. You know, she's driving a brand new car. She's got money. She's doing whatever she, you know, doing whatever she do. And, you know, they're at her too. And she's like, you know, <laughs> I can't help you. You know it's what I mean? It's hard to navigate. Because it's hard to say no, right? Yeah, it's hard it to is. Good easy. Lord. Sometimes, but sometimes it's hard. And, and sometimes the best thing you can do is tell somebody no. Let's shift gears here for a second. And let's talk about your business today. How long from the launch of your business until you broke a million? Uh, that was, oof, that was like two, I guess a little under two years. A little under two years. And you were working on your years. business, what, about 80 hours a week, right? Nah, I was working. I was working like a hundred and something. I was working every day. I stopped taking weekend appointments just at the beginning of, you know, 20, no, no, no. I stopped taking weekends appointment about June of 2022. So I just stopped working the weekend, right? You know, I stopped taking appointments at nine o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock in the morning. So I, you know, I stopped doing that, right? I, I don't take any appointments anymore, you know, late into the evening at eight, nine, 10 o'clock. So I'm just now cleaning up my schedule type of ordeal, turn off my phone at six, right? Like, so, you know, I was working hundred plus hours a week. You grinded really hard those two years to to make a million dollars in your business, right? And now you had to learn discipline. So talk about what it's like operating your business today. It's easy to operate my business because I have staff, right? So, and I think, 
I'm always a big fan of employees don't cost you money. They make you money, right? And having the staff makes my life easier. It allows me to choose my path inside of my business of what I do and what I don't want to do, right? And so now it's really easy to run my business. I come in at 1130, right? I leave whenever, make my own schedule, right? I don't have to work, you know, as hard. I've taught those guys everything. So I, I don't have to be as involved in customer service. I don't have to be as involved in, you know, the disputes and the results and the updates and the Zoom calls. And, you know, I kind of get to set who I want to talk to and who I don't. So I think running my business now is easier. I think the hardest part right now in running my business is continuing to keep the staff motivated, right? So I think the hardest part is continuing to keep the staff because it's a repetitive daily business, right? And anybody can get burnt out really, 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 really quickly. So I think the biggest thing for me is just, you know, keeping the staff consistently motivated and then taxes Man, taxes is tough because it's like, <laughs> it's like, even if I'm pay even when I'm paying advanced taxes, it feel like I still owe taxes. And, you know, I think taxes is the biggest thing for me because Virginia feels like that there's always some other tax that you didn't pay. Right. And that they're penalizing you for or so I got a letter yesterday and they were like, uh, I didn't pay a, 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 a VA six or something like that, which happens like once a year or whatever. And but they never sent me any mail. Right. So, you know, I'm like, I, how am I supposed to pay it if you never sent anything? She's like, well, you know, it's just something you're supposed to remember. I said, well, it looks like, you know, it's something you're supposed to bill out. <laughs> right? like, <laughs> and she's like, well, we're not taking off the fees. We're not, you know, so now you got this extra thing. So I say the hardest part about the business now is managing the finances because there's so much money coming in and going out daily. You know, so managing the finances, managing the taxes, even though I have an accountant, you know what I mean? He helps me to the best of his ability and keeping my book straight and keeping my money straight. It's still hard, right? That is the how hardest many, part. How many clients are you guys servicing? How many active clients are you guys uh, have? Right 1,200 now? on subscription. And then we have like seven or 800 in cash. They just kind of wobble in, you know, in it out every other. You know what I mean? That, and operating a business like that, it's where becoming a business owner is more important than becoming a credit repair expert, right? When you when you get to that level, like levels that, that you're at right now, do you wish you knew better disputing tactics or better business management tactics? Definitely better business management tactics because I always say with me, because I didn't have nothing, I always buy something, right? I didn't grow up with much. So everything that I see now, I'm like, eh, I can afford that. I can afford that. I can afford that. A uh, friend of mine, Irene, she says I have some type of money syndrome or something she would say. <laughs> inflation, yeah, in, inflation money syndrome where, you know, I just live however now. You know what I mean? She's like, Terrell, you know, you just upgraded everything. You didn't have to. And I'm like, no, I, I had to. Like, for me and my spirit, I had to. You know what I mean? I know for other people. It keeps people, you motivated, right? That It keeps me motivated. It keeps me coming back to the office, pounding the pavement, showing up, doing my consults, like, Again, it goes back to what you said, the drifting thing, this, the, the running in place. Like, you know, I can't do that. So if I don't upgrade my life, then what's going to happen is I'm going to become complacent and I'm not going to do anything to grow my business. Looking at, you know, my, my net revenue, you know, this this year, I'm like, dang. So beginning of September, I said, man, I already crushed last year, right? 
and I had $75,000 worth of people who didn't even pay me and I'm still past last year. You know what I mean? So I'm looking at it like, hey, look, if I keep, you know, upgrading my life or whatever, that'll keep me going also. Because if I feel like that I can afford everything comfortably and not even have a little scare, sometimes I'd be like, I'm not going to work today. I'm not going to show up, whatever, whatever, whatever. Because I got it. You know, I got $80,000 in my bank account. I don't need to go to work today or, you know, whatever. So do you have anything that's like, not a daily reminder, but something that you, you you see or that you look at in your personal life that is like your motivator. Like it's a good reminder as to why you do what you do and you work so hard and, and all of that. That daughter of mine. That daughter of mine. <laughs> she needs money for everything. I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I think the biggest motivation is, you know, my wife, my kids, you know, my family, just keeping them comfortable and, you know, making sure they never want for anything. But, you know, that daughter of mine, she's, she's like, Dad, did you make any money today? Did you sell anybody? Because if you don't sell nobody, we could easily be poor. <laughs> That's funny, dude. That so Every funny. day she gives me the same talk after school. She's like, Dad, did you sell anybody? Do you have afternoon appointments? Do you want me to get on the phone? Do you, you know what I mean? She's, she's top tier in reminding you that she's not going to be broke, right? <laughs> and she's, she's just at that age, she's nine, right? So everything has a cost behind it. She wants everything, you know, she wants to go everywhere. She wants to experience everything. You know what I mean? She wants to fly here, fly there, go to LA, go to the Bahamas, go to Florida. Like she wants so much and, you know, is she's such a dreamer and I love it and it's what keeps me you know, going and it keeps me, you know, up and, and, and at it. You know, my son's at his peak level of everything that he wants. You know what I mean? He has like a, a game room and, you know, he's got a PS5 and an Xbox and a Nintendo. So he's at his peak of everything that he wants right now, where she's still like, hey, dad, you know, my friend went to Disney. I want to go to Disney, right? Like, so they're at that age where they're texting about things that they want and things that they want to be and things they want to experience. And so, you know, all of that comes obviously with a cost. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if they're at around my kid's age, you know, and girls are just always daddy's little princess and more expensive than 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 boys anyway. So what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started this journey of owning your credit repair business? Money management is more important than having money. That's what I wish I knew. I was going to close down my company in December of 2020 because I didn't have any funds. And just looking at how much money I had had that year between my nine to five and my business, but I didn't manage my money. And then, you know, having the thought of, hey, you're going to have to close down this shop. Like you're going to have to close this business. You know what I mean? That was a scary point in feeling that I had made two hundred and seventy something thousand dollars, and I've got no money. It's all in your closet in your shoes. Yeah, th that's what I'm saying. Like I spent money a lot, so you know, I wish I knew that managing your money was super important. That you know, you have to understand that. Hey, look, there will be a, a time or a hurdle or a bump or you know something that you're going to experience with finances or life that you know. It's going to take you having a savings, you having an emergency fund, you having a business savings. You know what I mean? You you maybe having a retirement account or an investment account 
or you know maybe having some real estate or some property that you can borrow from or lean on or whatever the case may be. Luckily for me, I have great friends, you know what I mean? And they really looked out for me and, and, and made sure that I didn't give up or I didn't quit. When I told them that, they were like, what? No, we doing this, right? You know what I mean? And we gonna get you, you know, some money back or whatever. So I'm, you know, I think- So money management, more important than having the yeah, money because you, if you don't manage it properly, you're gonna find yourself with no money. <laughs> Absolutely. You're gonna find yourself with no money, right? And you're gonna find yourself, you know, not being able to scale your business, right? So now you're running in place again, right? Because it takes time to launch it, but it takes money to grow it. You need different systems. You need upgrades, right? You need more stuff. You need staff, right? Because then you can't do everything on your own. So, you know, all of that stuff kind of requires money, which requires you to manage the money a lot better than, you know, just it being just you and you not worrying about, you know, anything else. Because those people have families, kids, you know, bills, rent, you know, things that they have to pay and they're depending on you to take care of the business and bills. I just had one of my clients, she works for a small business and they're having payroll issues where they have no money to pay the people, which to me is crazy. That's the scariest thought that I have as a business. Or like I have, we have, I think 56 employees right now. That means that I'm, our business is responsible for 56 families. Yeah. I have shelter to have food and Talk about pressure, man. Like it ain't all unicorns and rainbows when you have a growing and thriving business because now it's not only about yourself. There's all these other people who make your business kind of function and you're responsible to make sure that their lives function. Scariest part right there. What advice would you have for someone who is looking to get started or just getting started with their credit repair company? Don't be afraid to, you know, research, right? Nothing is going to you know, grow flowers overnight, water yourself, water your plants. It's okay to take a second to get started. We live in such a microwave like society where everything's right now in front of your face. You can do it today. Grow your business today, right? But grow your business over time, right? Grow your business over time. Water the plants and the fruits of your business. Like take your time, learn, right? Because I think the biggest thing in credit right now, the industry as a whole, we don't have people who continue to grow their education, right? So then they just start to lie and make up stuff, right? And we need people who continue to grow and learn and continue to water themselves and continue with continued education because you don't need a college degree to get into what we're in. You need a laptop and a phone, right? <laughs> and, and 400 bucks is really what you need. So, you know, learn how to go beyond what you see in front of you. Learn how to research an, an answer that somebody gave you to make sure that it's the right answer. If you see something on a video, right, and it seems too good to be true, go on Google and research and read and see if this is the right answer that they're giving you or if this is some fluff that they just made up. You know what I mean? Because right now, everybody's got a credit repair company, right? Everybody's got a video. Everybody's got a course. Everybody's got a coaching program. Everybody's got something that they want you to get and buy. So if you're just getting into the industry, make sure that you're just simply doing your research and simply giving yourself enough time, right? To just kind of grow steady, slow, always wins the race. It doesn't have to be fast in order for it to be fruitful. I love that. That's great advice. Really love that, man. That and that's that's powerful. If you guys are watching or listening, take that to heart. 
take that to heart. Slow and steady wins the race. Um, when you when you speed things up, you miss steps, and then you end up having to go backwards, right? This stuff, man. I'll let you put me on the spot. Do you have any any questions that you'd ask me? What advice would you give somebody who is maybe say at the middle stage of their business, right? They want to scale, they want to grow, right? They've been stuck for a while. What do they do to get out of their rut? What do they do to get to the next level of their business? What advice would you give to current credit repair business owners on how to get themselves to, they're past the beginner stage, they're making a little bit of money, right? What advice would you give them to get to that next stage up in the middle? I think that when most people find themselves stuck is because they plateau, right? They did what they could as best as they could, and it got them here. And maybe, and it's different for every business, right? Like some businesses plateau at 100 clients, some business plateau at 500 clients, some businesses plateau at 1,000 clients. Like, man, I can't get past 1,000 clients. I have 1,000, 1,200, down to 1,000, up to 1,100. I can never get to 1,500. Or I got 100, but I can never get to 150. They plateau. And the reason why they plateau is because they went as far as they could on their own and with their existing knowledge. So the only way that you can go above and beyond is if you invest in learning more or you invest in adding more people to what you're already doing, right? Like if I can get 20 clients a month myself doing this one strategy, then how can I get five other people to learn this strategy from me and then they go out and do it? Because now I'm doing 20 and then they're each doing 10, 15 of their own, right? Because maybe they're not going to do it as well as I am. But now I've learned how to clone myself and clone what I know into other people so that they can now go and run with it, right? So that's one way because I can only take it so far myself. I did it and now I'm here. I plateau because I don't have the time to do more. So what do you do? You clone yourself. You duplicate yourself. You take what you know. You teach it to somebody else and you teach them how to go out and be you. And now you have two yous going around and then you have four yous and then you have eight yous going around, right? And that's how I've grown my business. The other option is I only know how to grow my business this one way. Maybe I need to learn a new skill, right? So for you, it's referrals. You get tons and tons and tons. Like you are the referral king. If anybody wants to learn how to grow their credit repair business based on referrals, Terrell Good from Next Step Credit Repair is your guy. He's going to teach you to do that because that's how you've grown your business. Is it not? That's how I grew it. Now, what if you add another strategy to grow your business? Now, not only am I getting the referrals, but now I've mastered um, Facebook ads, for example. Bro, there you go. Now you got two strategies working side by side to grow your business. Now, what if you go out and you master, you know, TikTok videos like Ricardo and Dustin and those guys? Now you got three strategies. So now you break this, the glass ceiling because you've gone above and beyond what you knew. Now you know more or you've cloned yourself. So for me, if anybody's like, they've plateaued, maybe you've plateaued at 50 clients or 25 clients. It's because you've done the maximum. You've reached the maximum that you can do or the maximum of what you, your knowledge can do. So you need, to, you need to upgrade. You need to upgrade your knowledge, your strategies, or just the level of people doing what you're doing. And that's really, it's tough. You know, I, I'm one of those guys like, you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. That's a, that's a bad mindset to have in business because your business is only going to go as far as you alone can take it. Now, if it's you and and 10 other guys, that's going to go much further. You know what I'm saying? So for me, that's really like what I see as key. The key is you got to learn to clone yourself and you got to learn new strategies. 
Because if one thing just blows up one day, then your business blows up. If that's the only thing that you're relying on and you can't have that. For me, it was, I was always the guy like you, man, I, I do everything, right? But what happens if for any reason I'm no longer able to do everything Then what happens to my business? And that's my story, right? Like the other, I had a couple episodes ago where I was sharing, you know, I had that nasty motorcycle accident where I almost passed away and I was in a hospital, I was recovering for months. And if it was only me running my business, my business would have shut their doors. Thankfully, by the time that that happened, I had already a team of people who knew how to do what I do that kept my business growing and flowing while I was recovering. So it's important that they do clone yourself. You can still hold the reins. Like you can still be the team captain. You can still be the point guard, but you got to have the center. You got to have the shooting guard. You got to have your forwards. You got to have your team around you. And that's really how you grow. People are scared of investing in, in their in their team. And you said employees don't cost you money. Employees make you money. And if your employees are costing you money and not making you money, that's your fault because you have not trained them to make you money. It ain't their fault. You're just following your lead. What are you leading them to do, right? How do you lead your employees to make you money? Number one thing, so they come to the door, we work on training, right? And we work on customer service etiquette, right? It's the one thing that will separate most businesses, how you treat the people who are coming to you. Right. So we work on customer service etiquette is one of the first things my wife put in the trading manual that we're supposed to work on. Right. Number two is teaching them to do it right my way, but their way. Right. I want them to be themselves because I don't want them to be robots. Right. But I also want them to know there's a right and a wrong way to handle a person or to complete a task. Right. And then also we work on time management. Right. How many tasks? Do we need to complete in order to make X amount of appointments in order to make X amount of money for us? Right. We look at it and we say, okay, we need 10 new appointments every day. Right. And we need five reset appointments every day, meaning somebody who's canceled or, you know, missed their appointment. We need to reschedule them, get them back on the schedule. Right. Is what we're looking at, you know, daily. Right. So that's about what, 60 plus another 25, so about 85 a week, right? Is is how much we need in order to continue to, to grow, right? So we look at that every day. We have a meeting in the morning. Me and my team, we come in. I get, you know, my, 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 my virtual assistants, you know, who I have. I get them on Zoom in the conference room. I bring in all my staff in the conference room and we talk about daily goals, right? What's our goal today? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to complete? And if I'm not there, Shanika hooks me up right into the TV, right? I do, you know what I mean? I just had the baby. So, you know, if I'm not there, I still get hooked up into the TV. We're going to have this meeting one way or the other, right? So, you know, her just being there. That's great being, leadership, man. Yeah, being able to, you know, hey, Terrell's coming on, everybody get in the conference room, we're going to have our daily meeting. So I think, you know, training got to be, you know, you got to be on top of training and you got to have continued training. Me and my dispute team, we're going to have a training here on uh, tomorrow, Friday about, you know, some new material that, you know, I seen that I think, you know, might be helpful to us. So we're going to spend about six and a half hours on that. Right. And they know I'm always on top of them about, you know, continue strategies, right. Tracking results. Right. One of the things you taught me, if you don't track, you don't know. Right. You can't tell what you did if you don't even know what you did. Hard to say what you did to be successful if you you never tracked it. Um, so I think, you know, just training them, training them on customer service etiquette and then, you know, just continued education with them and then also teaching them credit. And you should fix your employees credit, too. 
right? Nobody's working for me that's got bad credit. Because when somebody calls in, they need a testimony. And it can be a testimony of their own. Hey, I started working here and, you know, I've been working on my own credit, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, I tell them as soon as you get hired, you you upload yourself into this system and we're going to work on that credit. Right. You're not going to be working here with bad credit. You know, that that speaks a lot to to your to your leadership, man. I'm I'm so proud of you and seeing how far you've come, because I remember when you're still working at the job and trying to get your credit for business off the ground. You know, back in 2019, 2020, I remember those early days. And to see where you're at now, man, that's it, it speaks a lot to your leadership, to your work ethic. Like I said, I don't know anyone with your work ethic. Like you're, you're an example to me with your own work ethic. And, you know, you want to make sure your employees are making you money. KPIs, right? You got to make sure that there is trackable tasks and trackable events that you're holding them accountable to because that's the only way. And you got to know your numbers. You got to track everything. I got an appointment tracking sheet. Right. For my girls that's on the phone, you got to put your appointments on the tracking sheet and then we track what happened to those appointments. Right. We track how many we track how many appointments are getting confirmed of yours. We track how many of them are actually selling. We track how many of them are rescheduling. We track everything. So, you know, my appointment tracking sheet is something that I implemented at the at the middle of 2021 when, you know, when I got I, I fired somebody because, you know, I just didn't feel like that they were contributing to you know, success, right? They were in the back, not doing anything. So now, you know, I'm like, I got to do something. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what did I have at the home improvement company, right? That we did in order to hold people accountable for how many appointments they were bringing in. I'm like, God damn it. And I still have my binder, right? Because I wrote everything for there. So I go in my home improvement binder, I pull out my appointment tracking sheet. I'm like, an appointment tracking sheet. I get on Zoom with Jerome. We need an appointment tracking sheet created today. Right now, stop everything that you're doing. I don't want no disputes done. I want the appointment tracking sheet done now. So, you know, it keeps everybody accountable. And then the girls have a good laugh. You know what I mean? And if they if they get a certain amount of appointments booked, I'm blessing y'all. We're going to have lunch on a boss man, right? I think it was last week or week before they got like 28. I'm like, oh shit, let's roll, right? Everybody shrimp dinners, everybody. <laughs> and we went, we got some shrimp dinners, closed down the office for the rest of the day. I let everybody clock out at one o'clock. Listen, I appreciate you. Rest of the day is paid. Don't come in tomorrow. Tomorrow's paid too. That's awesome, man. What's next for Next Step Crepper? Like what's your next goal being trying to reach? And then once you reach next goal, going to get you back on here so we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm trying to do six figures a month. Um, I think that's that's next for me. That's always been my goal was to have a million dollar per year credit repair company before I replaced myself or moved on with anything else. I, I think strong foundations are, are super important. You know, I think people get caught up in too much of the multiple streams of income, right? Where they start multiple businesses and things of that Jack nature. Jack of all trades, master of none. There you go. And so for me, I always told myself, you know, until this business is doing six figures a month, I'm not going to replace myself and or move on. Right. So I think that's, you know, that's still on my list. It's the only thing I haven't done. Right. So, you know, and it's tough, man. Good Lord, it's tough. You know what I mean? It's with, you know, with the cancellations and, you know, clients who, you know, just essentially aren't happy, even though they maybe had results or whatever. That That's always the weird part for this business. You know, you can give somebody everything and they're still, you know, not, they're still not happy. So, you know, you end up with, you know, like you said, up and down numbers, things of that nature. But, you know, we've been pretty steady overall. You know, I try to sell as much as we get canceled and then some, 
right? So, you know, I know we average about 17, you know, cancellations a month, which, you know, people be like, oh, Terrell, that's, that's pretty high. No, not really. Not when you're selling, you know, 60 to 75 people a month. <laughs> so it's really not that high. When you hit back-to-back six figures month, six figures, six figures month, we're going to get you back on here. We're going to talk right, about the journey good. to getting there. Yeah. Sounds good? Because it's, it's definitely been a journey. <laughs> So yes, sir. I got a lot of Man, stories. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much for, for being part of this podcast. I know that we it's been a few weeks that we've been trying to, to yeah, schedule this, this and, and get it going. So thank you for making the time. Your baby is what, like 18 days old right now or nah, something nah, like that? Nah. And here you it's, are. Uh, 12 days old. 12 days old. 12 days old, man. Again, talks about your work ethic. You know, you got a 12-day-old baby sleeping back there. I and, sold and seven people while my wife was in labor. <laughs> I signed up seven people while my wife was in full labor. My wife. My wife would leave me if I did that. Yeah. So she was like, what's funny is we were just talking about in the car. She's like, I seen some emails from the day I was in labor of people getting was that you? She said, I must have been really out of it. I said, Yeah, baby, you was you was out. So I just figured I'd take the time and, you know, do something constructive versus just sit there and sleep. Cool stuff, man. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. And we'll get you back here real soon once you, once you hit those back to back six figure months. Sounds good? All right. I appreciate you, Bruce. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.